Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. So on this episode, we are going to be talking about the key bottlenecks to scaling your sales. And I know that sometimes it feels like it could be all of the above, right? Like all of the things. And it's hard to nail down exactly why your sales are stalled or you hit a plateau or they simply just, it's not feeling as light and as effortless as it once was. And so this episode, we're going to break down, I have five key areas that I have identified and maybe a little bonus one thrown in. So be sure to stay until the very end of this particular episode. So if you're looking for help in terms of growing and scaling your sales in a way that's authentic and congruent to who you are and how you want to operate in the world, I invite you to come and check out my inner circle at salesmasterysociety.com. The link will be below in the show notes for you, but you can go directly to salesmasterysociety.com and find out more details and come and join us on the inside. So with that being said, the very first category, because I'm going to break this down into a few different components, but the number one category that is a bottleneck for you to scale your sales is going to be related to cash flow. Now, as you can imagine, and I've said multiple times through the life of my business and through the life of this podcast in particular, that without sales, you don't have a business because your business requires you to make money. And without consistent cash flow, you don't have what it takes in order to actually have a viable business. And in fact, it becomes a very expensive hobby. Oftentimes, it becomes something that you no longer even enjoy because it feels like you're doing all of this work and effort, but not a lot to show for it. And I know that chances are you got into the business, not because you knew how to sell or because you were particularly thrilled about, you know, making as much money as you possibly could. Although I'm sure that has also been part of the opportunity and the reason why you do what you do, but it probably wasn't the driving force, right? I don't think that we as entrepreneurs, we wake up one day thinking, I'm going to change the world and I'm going to become you know, millionaires or billionaires because owning a business is the easiest path to do that. Otherwise, we would see a lot more entrepreneurial folks out there. And the statistics would show otherwise around the success level for existing small businesses. In fact, I know that we do this because I myself am an entrepreneur and my parents were entrepreneurs. We do this because we love doing it and we can't imagine doing it any other way. And I say this with all honesty, because there was a point in time where I thought this whole lifestyle of being an entrepreneur was completely crazy pants. I went the far hard right, complete opposite 180 and never wanted to be an entrepreneur because for me, a lot of it, watching my parents as I grew up, 
being in a more traditional brick and mortar style business because that's what we had back way, way before the internet. It was a lot harder. It was a lot more challenging because it was a lot more rigid. It wasn't as much freedom as what you have now, especially today. There's so many more opportunities, right? But when you're looking at how do you move beyond just growing your business and now starting to really take off and scale beyond what you've been able to do on your own, it comes down to still consistent cash flow, right? So there are two main pieces that impact and influence your ability to have consistent cash flow. The very first one is consistent lead flow. Because if you don't have enough people that have identified themselves as being interested in your products and services and identified that, hey, I'm over here and I want to know more about what it is that you can help me with, the lack of leads is like pipes without any water coming in it's going to be bone dry at some point. And if you rely on that water because you're thirsty, you won't have enough to drink. And that's why a consistent lead flow is important. Now, I'm always about quality over quantity. So I'm not talking about the fact that you need to have hundreds, thousands, millions of people when, depending on the type of business that you run, you need far fewer in order to convert and to help more people and to make the kind of income that you want. But there's going to be a balancing act, right? It's like being on a teeter-totter where there's going to be enough lead flow that it makes sense for you to constantly be able to go back to your own well, to dip in that water, to be able to go, who's interested in one of my upcoming programs, services, uh, product offerings that I'm going to be putting out? So that you don't have to rely on a hope, a wish, and a prayer, and literally like just spray and pray and hope that it works, because that is not going to create consistent cash flow. So when I look at um, scaling your sales, oftentimes we can't scale our sales, which is a back end metric of the front end activity, simply because we don't have enough leads coming through the door. So it's really important that you tighten that up and that you understand the, me the mechanisms that allow people to start to know about you, start to like you and trust you and build that relationship through your marketing efforts and that they are connected with how you lead them through your sales process, which leads me to number two, which again is directly related to cash flow. This is about your inability to sell consistently. There is no way to scale sales scale sales, man, I promise I didn't, I didn't uh, plan it that way, <laughs> right? To have this bottleneck where every single time that you are selling, you are recreating the wheel. You don't have a process that works. You don't understand why people say yes and why they decide to buy from you. That is going to directly impact your ability to continue to grow and move beyond growth to now scaling. So if you think that this problem will go away by hiring more qualified salespeople, if you don't have a proven process, which we will get to in number three, then you are going to constantly be hitting your head against the wall. And the best salespeople, they will go flying away. Because if you have problem number one, which is inconsistent lead flow, then they're not going to be signing up for, I mean, what they've signed up for is going to look very different than perhaps what you have them doing. And as a result, you may need different skill sets from those people. So if you don't know how to convert your existing 
prospects, those people that have put up their hands, those leads that have said, yes, I'm interested. And you have continued to have the sales conversation with them in some kind of interaction, such that you know that these are people that would buy from you. And you have encouraged them and started to have some kind of interaction and perhaps started to lead them down your sales process, but you don't know how to convert them. You don't know why they say yes. You don't know how to manage their expectations or to maneuver through objection handling, then that is going to constantly be hitting you in the face because every time you think somebody is going to sign up and pay you and become a paying client, and then there's a revolving door of, nope, that's not going to work. Nope, that's not going to work. It becomes very difficult to scale your sales without a proven process of success, especially around conversion. So this does not mean that you have to have a million different things, and we'll get to that in a minute too, but it means that what you do, it actually works, right? And so that's why your inability to sell consistently and thinking that you can pass that off into a qualified salesperson, and we'll talk, so we'll link up below because I did a whole episode on how to know when you're actually ready to hire a CLC member. You can't pass the buck. You can't just say, I don't know how to do this, or I'm not very good at this. And so I don't know if this actually works. And I want somebody else to figure this out for me. I guarantee you, they are not going to do as well as if you roll up your sleeves and put in the work and the effort yourself. Does that mean that you have to hit it out of the park every single time? No, not at all. But you are the brains and the heart behind the machine of why your business runs. And surely, If somebody is going to be able to sell a potential client on working with you or working within one of your programs and services, it's going to be you as the creator and as the founder. Okay. So the third piece here, which I alluded to just a little bit ago, is inefficient or lacking processes. So we were talking specifically about your sales process and that if you don't have a sales process, then simply handing this off, thinking that it's going to solve the problem is not But I'm talking about all of your processes because when you are growing, and especially when you are growing very quickly, you can almost get away with not having the right processes in place. But once you start hitting a plateau, income-wise, client-wise, service-wise, like all the kinds of plateaus that you can imagine, and you've hit the wall and things are starting to get really tight and really tough with your existing team with your existing offers with your existing opportunities and it feels like you just need more and more and more and more which we'll get to in a minute not having the right processes inefficient processes or enough processes is actually going to stunt your ability to continue to scale and i know this because i've worked in a massive corporate organization with 80,000 global employees and you can bet your bubby that in order to get to that level, you have to have efficient processes. That was the number one thing that the organization kept focusing on was process improvement. Because if you can improve a process, you can make things much easier for your staff, your team, your clients, and the business as a whole. And it is going to run much more effectively and efficiently, which means there's a better use of resources, the time, the effort and energy, and ultimately the money that it takes to run all of these different components of your business and do it in a way where, again, everything is 
is kind of in harmony, like an orchestra. And every person has its place and everybody has a role and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. If you can't lay out expectations, and that's really what your processes do, it allows people to know that, hey, there is a methodology, a framework, a, a way that we do things so that it creates as much interaction and, and harmony between team members, between our clients, between different departments and roles, so that we're not doubling up, we're not getting frustrated, that there's equal opportunity, but there's also equality in how we're managing expectations. And that is super important, especially the more and more you grow, and the more each of your departments starts to explode and grow, right? That's the whole the whole point of scaling is that now instead of you delivering or doing or implementing or tasking all of these things on your own, that other people are empowered to do this and they can't do it if they don't know what the expectation is, if they don't understand what they need to follow or how they get from point A to point B. Um, and it doesn't mean that you need to have to create all the processes but you need to have some sort of methodology around empowering your team to be able to do this so that they understand what it needs to include, how it's created, how it gets updated, all of those kinds of things. The next key that I see that creates bottlenecks is service gaps. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, if we walk backwards through this episode, right, I talked about uh, consistently flow. Right? So how many people are coming through your pipeline? The second piece is around consistently being able to now convert those interested people into paying clients, your conversion. And so if you have marketing or messaging dialed in, right, how you're attracting people to you, if you now have a solid sales process and you're still finding it difficult to scale your sales, I've seen this with clients that unfortunately we ramped up the activity on the front end to get more leads, more sales, but then this part, which is around service and creating gaps in service, then made it very difficult to hold on to the clients that we had just sold. And in fact, it made it really hard to resell those clients for future engagements. And the most valuable customer that you can ever have in your business is an existing customer, somebody that is happy with your products and services, somebody that has gotten exactly or more than they expected as a result of working with you and paying for the different product services programs that you run. And if you're able to keep them, then each additional sale is really more so profit than anything that you had to do in order to get them in the first place. And I think sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot because we're so, so looking forward to new sales and new customers and constantly like more, 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 more. And we'll get to that in a minute that we forget. What about the old guys, right? What about the tried and true? What about our loyal fan base and customers that have already given us a shot? Have we done right by them? Have we oversold and underdelivered? And I myself, I will say, you know, that is a challenge when you are a small business owner, especially when you're wearing all the hats in the early stages of your business. And when you are in a high growth trajectory, it can be very challenging for you to not only market and sell and service while you're leading your teams, right? And I know that this is an area that can often be overlooked because we think, oh, somebody just paid me, like, it's fine. 
And in an upcoming episode, I will be sharing a personal story about a real life situation that I had that still has me shaking my head in the hopes that it's going to help you to understand what kind of impact that we have on our customers and how we can improve all of our processes simply by looking at things from the perspective of our customer, like put yourself in their shoes and what you sold them or what your sales team sold them. If you are using sales people, is that what is actually getting delivered is what is promised on your sales pages or in your product description. Is that what people are getting and expecting to get? And what do you have in place in order to address situations where people are not happy, right? Because the most expensive no is the one that you don't know about. And it's it's the no that happens after the fact. And being able to look at this, because if you are constantly bringing people in and you do a great job with getting your lead flow up, you're doing a great job with converting those people to sales. But as you exponentially grow, your back door is basically going swinging wide open. And for every sale that you bring in, that sale is walking out the back door with somebody else who is no longer happy. You are doing double the effort for really nothing, no net new increase. And that is a terrible place to be in because chances are, again, you have paid a lot more to get that new client up front than you would have if you had simply just taken the time to close the back door a little bit, to really look at your retention process and make sure that there is as as much tightening up of your service gaps as you could possibly make it. Now, I know that we're not perfect, right? And I'm not expecting you to, to be perfection, but can you address any gaps now before you start to take off like a rocket ship and you really are then going to be able to scale much more effortlessly than if you didn't address this particular area. Okay, so we have one, two, three, four. We are on the fifth one. Minimal team leadership. This bottleneck, and I have one more that I've been hinting at the whole way along. This one here, I feel like sometimes we kind of can excuse, especially as the leaders, the visionaries, and the CEOs in our businesses, that if something goes wrong, you know, the buck stops with you. It stops with me. If something doesn't happen because I either didn't communicate properly, I didn't give them enough uh, tools or resources or support, that's on me as the leader. And I know that sometimes you did not go into your business, again, wanting to be a salesperson and wanting to be a leader or envisioning that you were going to be a CEO of a company, right? Chances are you went into it, you fell into it because you love what you do and you desperately wanted to help people in a bigger scale than maybe the capacity that you were able to do before you opened your business. But as you continue to grow, and especially as you're now scaling your business, it is really important that you up the ante because chances are you're not going to be able to grow at the same level or more without delegating, without hiring, without managing. And more importantly, I actually think of management more as a leadership capability. So yes, there's going to be times when you have to manage projects, when you have to manage people. But I, like you, more than likely, really prefer to be in a leadership position to people lead as opposed to people manage. 
you manage problems, you manage expectations, you manage situations, you lead people, right? And empowering your team to be able to do things in a way that allows them to understand their roles, their responsibilities, their impact within your organization, within your company culture, within the key metrics that they now own, it is an empowering place for them to be in. And if you micromanage, if you have low trust, if you don't take responsibility for your actions and your words, and so it's hard for your team to deliver because you're constantly changing your mind, going back and forth, what may have been okay when you only had one or two uh, independent contractors or really variable types of team members as you continue to grow and scale, and now you have more regular, consistent team members and or employees, that becomes harder and harder to dance around. And you won't be able to get by. You won't be able to excuse your behavior or the lack of your own leadership skills. And not everybody is cut out to be a CEO. And that's totally fine. One of my mentors, actually, in one of his past companies, he knew that he was not the appropriate CEO. And so he hired somebody as soon as he was able to. And instead, he stayed in the capacity of founder and visionary to create ideas, which then the CEO and the COO would kind of, you know, hammer it out because they are two different roles and have two different responsibilities within the organization to be able to figure out how to bring some of those visions to life. But he preferred to sit in a different seat in that particular company. So really just take a look at yourself and what it is that you want to do. And don't allow yourself to continue to be the bottleneck, especially as it relates to leadership and being unable to delegate effectively or properly simply because you're trying to hold on to too many things and you're not willing to let go and you're not willing to up-level your skills to bring you into a new leadership position inside of your growing company. The last but not least, okay, so this part I've been hinting all the way along as we've gone through this because it's interwoven with all of these different five components is as you continue to grow and scale, right, and you experience some of these key bottlenecks that I see happening over and over again with the clients that have helped in the past and present, that scaling sales is not as simple as just let me snap my fingers, and all of a sudden, ching, 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 like there's more clients that appear. Yes, it's 100% possible to do that, right? To, to turn on a masterclass or a webinar or a live launch or a automated sequence and then see, you know, clients coming through. But the fact of the matter is complexity, making more, right? Like adding more to the pool of opportunities is not always the solution. In fact, I would say it's almost never the solution. Scaling is about focus and it's about really honing in on the key areas that actually allow you to get to your goals as quickly as possible. And I'm not talking about you have to go and turn the ship around overnight. If you can get things turned around 90 days to a year, that is amazing. In fact, one of my good friends, he shut everything down in his business while still keeping everything going, right? So behind the scenes, he was doing a whole pivot and a complete 180 because he had a major health crisis. And the business model that he had created, he realized, oh my gosh, 
this is not going to work when I'm laid out flat on my back because I'm having a massive back attack, right? Like my, my back's gone out. And as he was trying to navigate how to manage with chronic pain, which side note, I've been there, I understand it. And I know how challenging it is to try and plan for something that isn't within your control, right? Which I would say is like 99% of life. But when you know in advance that I have to work around something that I can't control and I can't anticipate, he realized my business model is broken and having more and more and more clients actually created way more pressure on him in his existing business model. So behind the scenes, he basically got rid of everything. He got rid of all of it and tore it all down and started to rebuild from scratch and came up with a brand new model for him. It's not new, a, a brand new model of business, but brand new for him, leveraging his existing skills, capabilities, and areas of focus, but doing it in a much more congruent way for where he is right now and probably where he's going to be for the next little while, right? In managing his health and managing his expectations and still being able to help as many people as he wants in a fully scalable model. And it's one of my passions in helping my clients is that I want you to build a congruent business model that is built for scale that you can literally walk away from if you needed to, because you need to go take care of aging parents or your kids were, God forbid, you know, ill and you needed to um, just take a break or because something happened or more importantly, you just wanted to live your life and you wanted to still enjoy what you do alongside of the life that you love. So all of this is possible, but not if we're constantly chasing this idea of more complexity, more clients, more sales, more equals more equals more equals more. More is not always the answer. In fact, more sometimes is just more. And if you don't know why you're doing all of this for and what is more sales going to get you and how can you get there in a more aligned, congruent way? Maybe there is a different path, right? And so although the topic of this particular podcast episode is the key bottlenecks to scaling sales, and I know that automatically your mind went to, well, that means more sales. Well, yes and no. This is where scaling sales can be about more volume of sales, but it could just mean the ability to do it in a way where it doesn't require a one-for-one input, meaning you are not required to put in the equivalent amount of time, effort, money, energy upfront in order to get the same output on the back end. That's what scaling is. That's what leveraging is, right? So that for every one hour or one unit upfront, maybe you're going to get two or three or four or five or 10. And that's why a lot of times, um, and we haven't talked about it a ton on this particular podcast, but you know, using things like joint venture partners, uh, affiliates, uh, advertising, those are all leveraging strategies that will allow you to pour gas on something that's already working. That is sometimes a growth, but it always is also related to a scaling strategy. Do you always want to do all of these? No. And I'm going to throw a whole bunch of information out there to confuse the matter even more. My point to this at the very end is that I hope that you hear me when I say today that 
the key to scaling is not about doing more. It's not about adding more. It's not about making things more complicated or complex. It's really about understanding what it is that's driving your success and ensuring that you have the key components that will allow for more consistent results, especially as you start to exponentially increase your end result without having to increase your front inputs. And when you do that and you do it in a way that's congruent to you, you're going to make magic happen and you stop being the key bottleneck. So let's do a quick recap. Um, but again, if this is an area that you need help with, if you already know that you are growing very quickly, if or if you are in the early stages and you already know that you want to grow and scale and you can see the big picture vision and you understand what I've been telling you and you're nodding your head going, oh my gosh, I want to make sure that I set myself up for success right from the very beginning so that I don't have to deal with these down the road. Now, there's no guarantees, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. However, if you plan in advance, you'll be much more prepared to deal with whatever comes your way. Come and join us inside of Sales Mastery Society, okay? SalesMasterySociety.com. So there's five key bottlenecks that I've identified, plus the bonus one that I just shared at the very end. Consistent lead flow, okay? That you don't have consistent lead flow, that you are not able to sell properly. Like you're finding it difficult to convert people on a consistent basis, that you have inefficient or you don't have any processes in place, certainly not enough to help you to scale, that you have service gaps. So you are finding all of your front end sales are not making up for what you're losing on the back end. Then the last one, minimal team leadership. Okay. So remember, don't mistake more for better. More is just more. And if it doesn't get you what it is that you want, and it doesn't do it in a way that aligns to how you want to do it, then don't do it. There's got to be a better way. And I guarantee you, if you just give yourself enough space and enough time and margin of grace, that you will figure it out. You will figure it out faster if you have help and support. So go and get yourself a mentor, whoever feels aligned to you. But promise me that you will not just jump headfirst into trying to do all the things all on your own all at once, because that is the complete opposite of why we created this particular episode for you. So I hope this was helpful and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time. Thank you.